Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Join Gabriel and his food hero guests every Wednesday on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So, and I am so psyched to have Meredith Steele of Steel House Kitchen joining me on the show. Meredith left her job as a graphic designer to become a stay-at-home mom after her daughter was born. During this time, she created her blog, In Sock Monkey Slippers, started her own recipe development company, and was a finalist in the 2013 Sever Blog Awards. At the end of 2015, InSockMonkeySlippers.com evolved into Steel House Kitchen, a space where Meredith shares moments of laughter, inspiration, and creativity around good, honest food. Meredith, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Gabriel. I'm honored. Awesome. Well, Meredith, I want to go back a little bit, or maybe at least a few years. You left your job as a graphic designer to care for your daughter as a stay-at-home mom. Can you share what that transition to uh, being at home was like? Yeah, it was it was crazy. So for many years, I was in advertising and graphic design, behind the scenes and photo shoots and everything. And everything was just fast paced and going and going and going. And then my husband and I became pregnant and, you know, very excited. But things just kind of went wrong from day one. And Mia decided that she wanted to come out four months early, which left us or left me kind of (laughs) everything stops, you know, your job stops, your life stops, and you end up just living in the hospital. So we did. We lived in the hospital for five months. She came home perfectly healthy now, just smart, great kid. But she came home and had immune sensitivity. So she couldn't be out in the world. Like we had a, we were prisoned in our house for a year until her immune system could catch up with a regular baby and toddler at the time. So obviously I had to leave my job. And, you know, cooking has always been one of those things that I've just absolutely loved from the time I was little you know, to, it's just always been in my life. And it's not that being a mom is boring. It's the complete opposite. But I, you just, I kept looking for something for me to do just to have, so I can just take 30 minutes a day just to become myself again. And, you know, just went back to my passion, which was cooking. And then also photography, which I've been doing ever since I was a teenager. So realized that I wanted to cook for my daughter, who was now able to eat foods. And she had a very sensitive gastro problems because of prematurity. So everything had to be very strict and very pure and very, very no preservatives, not even jarred baby food was good because some had food coloring in it. She's, you know, allergic to food coloring and it just everything. So we just broke it down to basics and started cooking baby food. And, and I had the blog to let everyone know how she was doing in her transition from hospital to home. Right. And then... Also, I was like, well, you know, we'll just put baby food out there. Let's let's just put this recipe because, you know, people are starting to ask for it. And then I had a baby food company come and say, could you start doing recipe development? Oh, cool. For our company. <laughs> oh, this is crazy. You know, oh, wait, you know, maybe this could be my next transition in life. You yeah. know, so it's kind of like a light bulb moment. Well, let's maybe try this out. So just kind of stepped back and looked into culinary school. Found it was impossible at the time. The nearest one was two hours away. So there was just no way I could just drop everything and leave a premature baby at home and say, see you, kid, I'm going to go home to school. <laughs> so literally ordered textbook after textbook after textbook and sat there at nights 
uh, when after she'd go to bed and just read wow. and, and learn and go from the very basic, you know, one-on-one knife skills to, you know, sous vide and how to, how to do these things. So it was years of just teaching myself and through the blog, I think we just kind of explored all that at the same time. So it's been a fun journey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing that you had the time to do all this <laughs> with a newborn, especially one that, you know, required a lot more attention than maybe just a newborn that, you know, came out after nine months and was yeah. completely healthy. Well, it was lots of doctor's appointments where you're sitting in waiting rooms and, and while she's sleeping and, you know, and then there's the opposite where she just, you're up all hours of night anyway. Why yeah. not read? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. She was such a good kid too. So she was really easy to be in the kitchen. So she's been in the kitchen from day one. Yeah. She's been baptized just since she birth. Has. <laughs> she already knows the knife skills, you know? <laughs> right. Master chef. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, she, she should audition for Master Chef Junior. <laughs> she wants to. And I'm like, no, you can know. <laughs> We're not going to go down that road, child. No. Well, when you had Mia, was it challenging to get back into the kitchen uh, with a newborn, especially, you know, when she required a lot of attention? Yeah. You know, at times it was. But she, she just never really was your typical newborn. She didn't cry much. She didn't really ever know, let you know there was something wrong at times. So it was very almost nerve wracking. You know, uh, I would go in and I'd say, are you breathing? Like, I don't know. Like give me some kind of inclination of how you're feeling kid, but she was really easy to bring in the kitchen. So she, it wasn't too bad. I mean, I'd be sitting there with her strapped on my back cooking. Wow. No problems. The problem was and always is until this day is photography. So she's one that wants to be touching things at all times. So that was the difficult part was trying to keep her stationary. Right. You know, <laughs> while I was doing everything and working, <laughs> but now it's mostly like, putting a lock on my office. Like, you can't come in right now. <laughs> right, right, right. Don't come in the kitchen right now. Don't eat that off the table. You know, things like that. But. Yeah. Do you have any tips or shortcuts maybe for new parents who are just trying to find their way back into the kitchen? Right. It's so hard because right after the hospital and, and you don't have time to cook and everything when you have a newborn. So you're sitting there with people either bringing you food or fast food or whatever you can get your hands on. How do you transition into that time into the kitchen? And I think we all, everyone with kids knows that's so difficult. Yeah. You know, what I did was Sunday when my husband was home, I just basically handed her to him. And Sunday was a cooking day and we cooked as much as we can for the entire week. And, you know, he would get into it and, and when she got older, she would get into it. So it became more of a family affair of prepping meals as much as you can one day a week. If you don't get every day, fine. But I mean, we had, we prepped probably like five days for two meals a day. And if that was something that was a big one pot meal that could be leftovers could be changed into tacos the next day. You know, that really helped us. So it was a lot of prepping and it just took like three or four hours, put some music on, grabbed a glass of wine and just, it literally saved us. Yeah. So total prep, prep day, plan a prep day. That would be my advice. Yeah. And the the thing is like, when you have a kid, anything and everything requires planning. So like the the (laughs) meals shouldn't be any different, I guess. Right. Like we have to plan our meals too. (laughs) I know. Yeah. It's like your, your bag, it's gonna, you have to plan your bag, even your purse and your car ride takes two hours just before you (laughs) get in it. So yeah, meals too. Right. During this time, uh, you started in sock monkey slippers. 
you were already into photography, you loved cooking, and you were teaching yourself how to cook. Did you know how involved blogging would be when you started blogging? No, there needs to be warnings. I never, you know, and, and now I don't even find myself blogging so much because we've started this company and it takes all my time. But when I even want to go back to blogging, I try to do it once every week, once every two weeks, if I can, I forget like how involved it is. I mean, if someone told me to do this legitimately as a profession and not just for yourself, you have to spend a full work day to do it. I'd probably still do it, but I don't think I'd be as intense. Like it, it really is a job. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, with the, with the blogging, and as you know, there, it's, it's more than just cooking, the photography, there's the styling, there's the writing, there's the promoting the articles now. What came the most naturally to you? And what was something that, you know, you really had to work on? The cooking and photography came the most natural. And that's what keeps me inspired and keeps me going. If there's ever a time where I'm just down, I'll forget everything, won't do anything for a job or for the blog, and I'll just cook or take the camera out, and it'll get me back into it. So that was always the easiest, but the writing was it was just hard. I was a kid of dyslexia and many learning disabilities growing up. School was always a struggle. I don't know how I passed high school. They just got me out, you know? <laughs> like Basically, and, and literally, one counselor said, she's going to art school. It's not going to be a big deal. She won't need English. <laughs> It was so bad. Wow. Like, it's going to be awesome. I get into college. I'm like, no, this is hard. So writing was really, really horrifying. I, I don't think I actually would have a blog without, I had, a, I had a professor my freshman year of college who sat me down and said, you're so many years behind. It's not even funny. Oh. And he, Tuesdays and Thursdays after school for an hour, just tutored me. And I'm still need an editor. I mean, like just wrote a book and my editor's like, oh, child, (laughs) (laughs) you need some help. I was like, I know, but you know, writing was always, always difficult, but I think even every day you learn something new and. Oh, for sure. And we all have things that we need to work on. Yeah. And, you know, blogging is so like all encompassing, like you can't be good at every single thing that's involved with it. I know. Like, how could you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe there are people out there. There's probably a few that are just good at everything and just wonderful. But I'm certainly writing is my most difficult. Right. Well, when you were learning how to cook and you were reading through the books and the, and the textbooks and trying to figure stuff out on your own, did you come across a book or two or an online resource that was really helpful in terms of getting started and, and learning how to cook, especially for someone who's a beginner, maybe? Right. You know, a lot of it was cooking, just cooking, just grabbing books and thinking there's no way I could ever do this and then just try it. And that was a lot. You learn a lot of technique, but a lot of chef cookbooks were really good. I think when I first started, I think I cooked every recipe out of Tyler Florence's family meals, which I'm not much of a food network kind of like I don't connect to those chefs very much. But for some reason, that book. As a beginner, I mean, just cooking everything and learning every step was pretty neat because you went everything from basic cooking to restaurant, like what they served in the restaurant. So that, that was a good one. And then in a garage sale, I found a Time Life uh, encyclopedia and it was from, it was sectioned by country. And that really helped me get a lot of flavor profiles from different 
countries and different regions and everything. I don't even know if it's in print anymore. Sorry. But <laughs> it was a good one. Yeah. So I think basically just just whatever I got my hands on taught me something. Cool. Cool. Well, Meredith, in addition to your blog, during this time of transition, you were also doing some freelance work and you started your recipe development company, MBS Recipe Development yeah. in 2012. Can you talk about the work that you do? Yeah, it, it was crazy how it started. And we were really, it came in a time when my husband changed careers and decided he wanted to be a sommelier. So he wanted to go back to school, which left us with no income. So I thought, oh, you know, people are already asking. I was already working for Disney at the time, doing recipe development for a few websites of theirs. And I thought, well, you know, let's just listen, pay more attention to the recipe development company. Let's create a, re- a company, pay more attention to this, put blogging on the sideline for right now so I could basically pay the mortgage. And it worked. And it was something I really really enjoy doing so it's really strange how blogging can take you other places than just a blog you know and so you know it was just one company after one company started with disney then energy bbdo which is a pr company came and started working with a lot of their clients and now i work for all pretty much almost all the major pr companies i work with some small ones too pr companies are my most prevalent client but you know i also work for some local restaurants and we do development for the menu development. A lot of editorial. Uh, I work with a lot of local magazines here, uh, statewide magazines. So it's been a really fun job and it's a combination of photography and recipe development too that can be offered. And I was starting to find when I was talking with a lot of the PR companies and everything, they would say, Oh, here's a, here's a recipe. Could you photograph it? <laughs> and the recipe was, was horrible. It was just this, mismatch of vocabulary things didn't make sense the the ingredients didn't make sense or the way it was written I thought oh god you can't print this and vice versa you know there'd be a lot of people who would come up to me and say hey I found this this recipe this photo of a recipe on on a blog could you recreate it for me and I thought, okay, well, let me research and see where you got this photo from, because I certainly am not going to, you know, copy someone's work because I know how that is. And come to find that, well, this isn't maybe not an original recipe. It's Ina Garten's recipe from right. you know, a website. And I thought, oh, God, well, they're going to get in trouble now if this is reprinted. So this disconnect, I felt like maybe I could bridge the gap between both using my marketing and my graphic design and all that from the advertising industry mixed with culinary and photography and let's see if we can just combine it all so I have a little studio in my kitchen we're thinking about moving in 2018 to a bigger studio and more right now we're working with interns but I'm you know I think we're gonna build on and cool really expand because I'm right now I'm at a six-month waiting list and it's just yeah it's so much fun yeah that's amazing I could do so much more work if I had a bigger space and yeah, well, I mean, I guess you kind of answered the question earlier, but, you know, when your blog was growing and you were working on your blog, you know, was it always the goal to have, you know, food photography and recipe development as a career or was this something that was just kind of happened? It just happened. You know, it's, I always look back at my first clients thinking, oh, why did they even hire me? Because I was so young and naive and I did not know a lot of what I was doing. <laughs> like. <laughs> But uh, and now it's I'm just so grateful that they gave me the opportunity and that kind of like, hey, this is where you need to be in your life. You know, you need to make this a little more stable. And and it's great because my husband's still working his way up in the wine industry and trying to find his place. So 
you know, financially, it's, it's, it was a good, a good move. And every day I wake up, I'm like, yay, I get to do this today. Yeah. You know, it's not like, what am I going to blog about today? Which is not a bad deal, but that was always stressful for me. Like, mm-hmm. what is, what should I blog to get people to come in to my blog? And that's, a, I think that's a really hard question for a lot of bloggers is, is how to figure out what will bring people in without losing yourself. Right. Right. You know, so it was, it's a good opportunity. Yeah. And, I, but I never thought it would ever end up this way. No, and you mentioned the first client was doing baby, like baby food or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> baby food. It was a company out of Austin, and they wanted to do a very organic, a different baby food. So we were doing blueberry and thyme, blueberry thyme and spinach. That was one of our favorites. It was like one that just sold out fast. And I don't even think I charged them that much. Yeah. <laughs> they found you through the blog. I, I'm assuming. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's been a great thing. I don't ever regret creating a blog. I actually wish I could go spend more time doing it, but it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's a full-time job. Well, yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, you have the blog, you have your recipe development company, and you also wrote your first cookbook. Yeah. It's been a really hard year. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this job right now where I'm redeveloping an entire website to match a product line. And it's just, it's the same amount of work as a cookbook. Wow. So it's just, it's just ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can you share with us a little bit about what your cookbook uh, is about and how it came together? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I got a call one day from a publisher and they just said, we would really like to, to do a book with you. And I thought, okay, well, you know, am I ready for this? I'm not really sure. And I said, well, what's the timeline? And they said, well, you got about four months. And I thought, oh, no, <laughs> no, this isn't, sorry. Go find yourself someone else because this isn't going to work. And it, it, then I thought about it and it was one of those very fail-safe contracts where, you know, it, when, when you publish a book through a publishing house, they they do, I wouldn't say own the book, but they're very responsible for the book. So, if things fail, you kind of have a good padding to fail on. And I kept thinking, well, I know I want to write a book. Maybe this is the way to go. Just to get my feet wet and see if this is going to be safe. I'm a bit of a safe. I'm not, not much of a risk taker. So. But, but it sounds like you are, though, with, with the company. Yeah. With- <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like a last minute risk taker. I'm not one of those people that plan on doing risk taking. So I thought, you know, okay, let's. Let's just see how a cookbook is even written because I did not know the first thing about it. So they walked me through the process and it was, gave me a, a nice advance to, so I could leave work and it's been good so far. So the, we sat there and tried to, had a brainstorming session about what we were going to do. And I think it all just came along when I was in my office staring at like racks of wine that my husband is hoarding. <laughs> <laughs> for you know clients and everything and I thought god we we entertain a lot like every weekend we're trying to I test recipes on our friends he tests wine on our friends so let's write a book about that so we wrote a book about um entertaining and then the publisher thought well how about we do effortless I said okay effortless entertaining and that was the name of the book cool so it's a collection of seasonal recipes that you can kind of pull together ahead of time really simply or pull together in the last 20 minutes yeah. And it's coming out in the fall. October 2016. Yeah. yeah. October 4th, to be precise. But it's available for pre-order now. And it's called Effortless Entertaining. So there's a plug. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. 
<laughs> no, for sure, for sure. Well, I mean, you worked really hard on it, so you got to let everybody know about it, right? Yeah, yeah. It was a fun. It was a fun book to create because we had a lot of people come over and help me out with uh, photography and everything. So a lot of hands are my friends and my family. <laughs> There's a good seafood boil in there, which is one of my favorites. It's how to put a really quick and easy seafood boil. Well, that's the thing with seafood boils. Like, like you can do it yeah. 20 minutes before because it's seafood. It's really quick and you just have to boil water, I think. Yeah, it's just one pot. <laughs> just make sure you got your drinks. Oh, another good thing about having my husband, you know, in the in the drink business was he was able to pair every recipe, almost every recipe with, you know, wine or beer. So I think it's a, when you're ready for your party and you're about to get in, um, you're at the grocery store and you're buying everything. You come to that wine aisle. You're like, well, what am I going to serve? Like, yeah. what's the cheapest or what's the best or like it's so confusing and so he's been able to provide a, a few options for everything to make it easier yeah for sure and for people like myself i mean me and my wife we don't drink but we do have friends who do we do we have friends who do yeah. so we would have no idea like what to pair anything with so yeah. this would be an amazing resource for people like myself yeah or even for me like i still have to go back and look like what am i supposed to do with this <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> drink what you like, but at the same time, you know, you kind of want to get close to what will be good. For sure. Well, Meredith, here at the dinner special, we talk with food heroes about dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dish that is special to you and maybe the story behind the dish? So I would say collard greens. It's pretty simple, but it's just one of those dishes that always makes me feel right at home. I had a, a nanny for all, I mean, I guess you could call her that. She's more of a grandmother who raised me because both my parents were very hardworking. And, you know, she also has been with my family for, she's recently passed, but uh, she's been with my family for many, many years. And so I have these just fond memories of, as a kid, at her feet in the kitchen, and she was making you know, collard greens and cornbread, very Southern, while watching her soap operas because she always had to watch <laughs> Young and the Restless. And snapping beans and everything. So, you know, at four years old, I was snapping green beans and and listening to, like, you know, people having affairs and fights. So, or, you know, you the young and the restless and what was going on? Uh, so, that was always fun. But um, we, once collard season hits, which is somewhat pretty much all year round, but um, I find I cook it more in the winter to the spring. It's just get a handful or get your hands on some bunches of of collard grains and chop them up. And what she would do is she would cut up slab bacon and she would sear the slab bacon, not in oil or anything. She would just let all the bacon fat render out of that bacon. And then she would wash her grains a lot because they're really sandy. And then she'd put them in there and she would add a can of beer just like a, I think probably just like a lager, like a really light beer and chicken stock with the bacon and a little bit of salt. And then she'd cover them and let them simmer for about an hour. She was one of those make them long simmer. What I do is I only simmer them for about 30 minutes because I like them kind of crunchy <laughs> and fresh tasting, but oh, they were so good. And I still remember like just every time I taste just Southern collard grains, I always think of her and her times in the kitchen and how special it was for me to have her like in my life for so many years. Yeah, they do sound pretty amazing. <laughs> it's simple. It's sometimes it's the most simple, you know, homegrown foods that I think, in, in at least me, that trigger the most memories. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. 
Well, let's say that you could invite three famous people over to share your collard greens with. Who would you invite over? That is a great question. I think one of my favorite chefs, just in by personality and the like, his ethics is Eric Repair. <laughs> just like maybe would invite him over, but I'd still be just extremely cautious. I'd be so. <laughs> I don't know if this is good enough for you. Wes Anderson, he's one of my favorite directors, so I'd have to have him over. And maybe someone completely different, maybe a musician. You put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, we can just stick with Eric Repair and Wes Anderson if you like. That would be an awesome dinner party. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? You can pair your collard greens with a movie. What movie would you pair them with? Would it be a Wes Anderson movie? Or would you watch Young and the Restless with <laughs> these collard greens? <laughs> I would watch Young and the Restless. <laughs> I would have to. And we would, we, I would fill everyone in. Even though I haven't seen it in 20 years, I bet you the story is still the same. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the characters are probably still on the show. <laughs> probably. Yeah, that's what we did. We Wes Anderson, Eric Repair, and we'd sit on the couch with a bowl of, of collard greens and watch Young and the Restless. Beautiful, beautiful. Perfect. <laughs> Meredith, I call the next part of the Dinner Special Podcast the pressure cooker. Right. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun <laughs> questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? Let's do it. Okay. Number one, which food shows or cooking shows do you watch? Not that many. <laughs> oh, I totally miss. The days of the PBS, those cooking shows. I love, if, if PBS is on rerun, I'd watch all those. But yeah, I like America's Test Kitchen and I'll watch that. And, you know, sometime I'll just go to some old school, school in a garden, which is pretty awesome. But I, yeah, I rarely watch cooking shows. I, I rarely have time to turn on the TV. Yeah, you're already too involved with cooking all the time. It's probably the last thing you want to do is sit down and watch cooking. <laughs> right. I'm like, I just can't even look at that anymore. <laughs> right, right. Okay, well, number two. What are some food blogs or food websites we have to know about? My Food Thoughts, Brian Samuels. That's a great blog. I absolutely love it. Brian and I have been on a few media trips before, and the way he cooks is very fresh and and very creative. And some of his recipes will inspire me. I'm like, oh, that's a great combination. I never even thought about that. So definitely that one. I'll read that one. I also, I don't know if it's really like a food blog. I guess it kind of is serious eats. I like that one a lot. There is a cocktail blog I'm really into right now. It's more of a website called Punch. I enjoy reading and look forward to their posts. It's a that's a really informative is uh, I think it's just punch.com. Those are the three right now that I read a lot. Perfect. Number three, who do you follow on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, or Snapchat that make you happy? I'm not on Facebook too much. Snapchat either, but I do love Instagram. So a lot of a lot of food stylists I follow on Instagram. I like Jamie Oliver's account. I know that's just really basic, but I worked for him for a little bit and their whole department's really fun to follow. Bon Petit also has a really good social media account. It's kind of hilarious at the time. Great. Number four, what is the most unusual or treasured item you have in your kitchen? My most favored item is my grandma's Strainer. It's really cool. It's from, it's her, it was her grandmother's. It's, it's like 1901. It's this really punched metal thing that looks like it's been beaten up, but it's like my most treasured thing. That was not in my kitchen. I just, I don't think I could function. 
know. <laughs> it's huge. It's like the size of a large walk. You know, like it's amazingly that big. I don't think I've ever seen a strainer that big before. It's big. It's, it doesn't even fit in my sink. And that's the good part because it sits above the sink. So all the water that's, you know, coming out of my scuba sink is usually backed up. You know, <laughs> so it just makes it a lot easier. Cool. Uh, okay. Number five. Name one ingredient you used to dislike that you now love. Anchovies. Hated anchovies as a kid. And I put them in everything now. Every salad dressing is going to have anchovy in it. A tart. Sometimes I just like pizza dough, like a flatbread, put a little anchovy on it. It's just so good. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous, but like in fish sauce, I didn't like fish sauce, but and miso, I would, I, these like unami and you know, flavors lend that you never even tell that they're in the dish, but lend this nice blanket to kind of push up your flavors. So miso is definitely something that I did not like for a long time, but I, I put it in my chicken stock. Oh. And it's really nice. It's just, it's a, it brings a great flavor and anchovies in my salad dressings. And yeah. <laughs> great. Now, number six, what are a few cookbooks that make your life better? There's one I, I've enjoyed and it's, I look through it a lot because it's a seasonal cookbook. I think pretty much any seasonal cookbook really makes my life easier because I know I can just switch to that season because we do eat very seasonally here. But there's one called The Farm. And right now, the name of the author is uh, Ian, but I can't remember his last name. Forgive me. That's but okay. The Farm. That's okay. That um, makes my life a lot easier. It's very kind of like simple, rustic, and it's such a great story. Like, I love cookbooks that have good stories. The April Bloomfield cookbooks are wonderful. Um, they're a really great story along with some um, good pairings. And the Flavor Bible is my Bible. It does not leave my desk. It is with me wherever I go. And the Flavor Bible is, for those who don't know, is this compilation of flavor pairings with basically anything, any food, any flavor, any season. Reads like a dictionary. You just pick it up, go to the food you want and see what will pair. And that's, I think I use that on a daily basis. Yeah. Great. Life's so much easier. (laughs) And finally, the last question, number seven, what song or album just makes you want to cook? Everything. There's always music, always music. And sometimes it's like I'll have interns come in and they're, you know, they'll even put dance music on. And I'm like, okay, it's a dance day. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, a, a lot. Uh, right now I'm listening to Nathaniel Ratcliffe. I'm listening to, and, and the Night Sweats, a lot of him right now. And uh, that just makes me want to cook. It's like really just kind of soul and got got a beat sometimes and it depends on what I'm cooking too sometimes if it's like upbeat then it's gonna be uh something fun if it's in the winter and it's like a slow risotto I got some Nina Simone on or you know (laughs) some Miles Davis and it's one of those times so perfect well congratulations Meredith you have officially survived the pressure cooker thank you because it was horrible (laughs) (laughs) Meredith Thank you so much for being here on the Dinner Special Podcast. Now, you're on social media. What's the best way for us to keep uh, posted with uh, everything that you're up to? Instagram, for sure. It's just Meredith Bond Steel. Great. Yeah. And of course, the website is steelhousekitchen.com. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Meredith, for taking the time to chat with me. I had such a great time chatting with you and learning about your uh, history with Young and the Restless. Yes. (laughs) Oh, great. No, that's going to be like tagged my name. (laughs) I had a blast. I hope you had fun too. I did too. Thank you so much, Gabriel. 
Thank you for listening. Head on over to thedinnerspecial.com for recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking.